So as we dive in today, we are wrapping up, if you're joining us for the first time, maybe online or in the room, we're wrapping up a series that we've been called Miracles. And uh, we've been looking at the different miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament. He performed a little over 37, about 37 miracles in the New Testament. We've seen some pretty incredible ones, right? We're diving in. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 today, Luke chapter 5. And um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up. If not, we're going to put it on the screens for you as well. Uh, But we're going to look at a particular story that I believe can not only pertain to if you're looking at a new chapter, but also for every single person. I think these principles are transferable for all of us uh, to lean in. And so as we think about this, though, uh, I I believe that maybe I I believe maybe every person has wrestled with this. But you tell me, have you ever asked yourself the question? Is there more to life than this? Have you ever asked yourself that question like this? This maybe you're in a season where uh, maybe things aren't happening really fast or maybe they're happening slower or not happening the way that you expected. And all of a sudden you're asking the question like, is this it? Is this it? Is this all that, that's going to happen in my life? Is this all this can't maybe you've asked that question to God before God. This can't be it, right? This can't be wrestling. I I remember many times um, when my head hits the pillow at night, I remember, especially in my teenage years and and years after too, my head hit the pillow at night and going, God, is there more to this life than what I'm experiencing? Is there more as I'm wrestling with this, almost like it was this void in me that I couldn't really fulfill? You know, when you try to get something to drink and it's like, I just can't quite quench that thirst And that's how I felt in my soul of going, God, is this it? I can't seem to get to that deep moment. God, is this it? Is there more? Or maybe you've even been following uh, Jesus for a while, maybe for 30 years, and you're just in a new season, and you're sitting here thinking, going, God, is is there more? Or have I kind of capped out as a Christian? Have I met the end of the road, and this is it, I'm just going to kind of sit dormant until it's my turn to go to heaven, Right? Maybe we're wrestling with what does that look like for me? How does this work? And as we begin to wrestle through these questions, I want to I want to say as we come together, we need to lean in and go, "Okay, God, God's not fearful of my questions. Right. God's not even fearful of my emotions that come with those questions. Right. God actually encourages and challenges us. He goes, bring them all to me. I can handle those. I can handle those big questions. And as we wrestle through these uh, big scenarios in life, I would say not only as we wrestle through them personally, but also maybe we're investing in someone else and we are helping them wrestle through those questions too. So not only are we learning for ourselves, but for when God uses us to uh, help someone else out, right? To disciple someone, to invest in someone else. We're helping them wrestle through those questions too. And so as we get some clarity from God, I don't know about you, but I just, there's seasons in my life where like, God, I need clarity. I need vision. I need to know what's next. I'm crying out to you. What is that? Is there more? Is there something deeper? Is there further that we can go, God? I feel like maybe you're you you have me on the edge and you're trying to get me to, to lean in a little bit more. What does that look like? Well, in our story today in Luke chapter five, there's these group of men. 
And in fact, they are, most people believe they're generational fishermen. Uh, back in those days in that culture, a lot of times you just pass down uh, what your father did and their father did and their father did, right? And so this is a group of fishermen. And we live in the low country, right? Like some fishermen. I'm ready to go deep sea fishing. Anybody want to take me? Yeah, awesome. Um, but uh, the fishermen in the house. And so there, there are all of these scenarios that they're wrestling with. And they're outside and they're fishing, right? They think maybe they're wrestling through life, whatever it may be. And most scholars believe that the disciples were young adults. Most people believe the age of the disciples were uh, either late in their teenage years or early 20s is when they're wrestling through this call with Jesus and as they embark on this new journey with Jesus. And as we read Scripture, we see that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the incarnate God in flesh and bones, the visible representation of the invisible God, who is Jesus Himself, walks this earth. And at the beginning of His ministry, when Jesus is about 30 years old, he reaches out to these 12 men at the beginning and it starts to grow from there. And he reaches out to these 12 men and he leans in and he calls them to something bigger than themselves. He leans in and he invites them into a journey of saying, hey, I, I want you to experience something that's so much bigger than you that actually thousands of years later, there's going to be this church called the Bridge Church and they're still going to be talking about it today, right? Just imagine that. That's wild to think about. But I believe that um, God's even called you and I that as we lean into that, um, that there could be someone thousands of years from now who's looking back going, I'm so glad they were faithful in 2023. I'm so glad they, they didn't drop the baton. They didn't give up, but they leaned in even further. And as they wrestled with that question, they turned to God. And thousands of years later, I believe that people can look back. And it's not about us, but it's about allowing God to get through us, right? So as we lean into that, we see this same story begin to happen in Luke chapter 5. And this is where we pick up. This is where we, I love it because we get to kind of pull the curtain back and reach in time and history and peek into the conversations that they had. And this is the very beginning of the disciples' calls when Jesus is reaching out to them. So I want you to just kind of get in their mindset a little bit and just imagine what it felt like, right? Because they weren't following Jesus for years this is the first time that maybe they've heard about Jesus. They maybe have seen him do a miracle or whatever it may be. But this took some faith for them to walk this journey with Jesus. So here in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Everybody doing okay? Verse 1, it says this. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. That usually means when they're washing their nets, that means they're wrapping up for the day. They're trying to clean all their equipment up and clean the boat up and put it up for the day. And then in verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. I love this. Catch this response. In verse 5, Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full that the fish of the fish they caught, they began to tear. A shout 
for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as they were with the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What an what a incredible story. What a, what a roller coaster ride right here that we see where Jesus begins the preaching. He begins preaching on the shore. And in those days, they didn't have the microphones and the PA systems that they set up. They didn't bring in the stage like we do on Sunday morning. But Jesus is preaching and the crowds start coming. They want to hear about this man who's preaching with authority. And so Jesus, being the creator of all things, he knows how acoustics work, right? And so he goes, oh, there's two boats. Let me get into the two boats. Let me go a little bit out. And so the water will create this acoustic system. And everybody's going to sit on this inclined beach, right? Like they're in this auditorium. And I'm going to preach. My voice is going to carry. Isn't that pretty amazing? I don't know the genius of Jesus. He's been in those little moments. But I love this. And I think the first life lesson that you and I can get from this story is that there were two boats there. And Jesus walked up and He said, can I use your boats? Right? And during those times, that's like a mode of transportation. That's like a guy you kind of know walking up and going, hey, can I borrow your car keys? I just need to borrow your car for a little bit, right? Like, could you imagine that? You're like, "Uh, no, I don't even know you. Like, I I need a background check. I need to talk to references, right? Like all these things. But Jesus walking up to these guys and going, hey, can I just borrow your two boats real quick? I just need to use them. And so Simon and his partners go, sure, you can use our boats. And I think that's important for you and I to realize. And this is a big revelation for us in our life. And the first life lesson is, is what I have is an instrument for God. What I have is an instrument for God. And when we realize this, it begins to change how we view life. Because now what I own is not even mine. I'm going, God, what I own is yours, right? And if we truly want to experience experience God, maybe on another level. It's looking back and going, you know what, God, this is not even mine. This is yours. I'm called to be a manager. I'm called to be a steward of it. I want to do the best I can. But God, I want this to be yours. This can be an instrument for you. And I remember uh, we're blessed to have four kids. And I remember as each one of them were born and I I began to pray and going, God, these are not my kids. These are your kids. And you've given me the honor and the privilege to steward the, the life that we have in this, right? I'm going, God, even who the relationships we have, but even just think about taking a step back and going, you know what? My job, God, is not, I'm just managing it. You've called me. I want my job to be an instrument for you. I want my house to be an instrument for you. I want my car to be an instrument for you. I want everything that I have, the knowledge that I have, the gift set that I have, the, the way that I think, the, the talents and the gifts that I have, God, I want them to be an instrument for you. And I think we'll be surprised whenever we go to God and go, God, everything that I have is yours. And I want you to use it as an instrument. You may be great at golf, right? And all of a sudden you're on the golf course and you're saying, God, can you use me as an instrument? And all of a sudden somebody comes up and wants to play golf with you. And God is now using golf in your life 
to invest in someone else. It's pretty wild to see. And God's calling us on this journey of saying, hey, but first it takes the revelation of going, this, I have to see my life and what God has given me differently. Because the book of James tells us all good things that we have received come from heaven, right? And we see that it has come from God, that He's laid that out for us. But it takes a little bit of a perspective shift in how we view life. Because if you remember the famous story in the Old Testament, there's this guy, uh, David, and he's about, most people believe, about 14 years old in this story. And he's getting ready to face Goliath. And if you don't know the story, David walks up and he's bringing food to his brothers while they're in the middle of this war uh, where these two armies are facing. So instead of these armies coming down and fighting together, they bring this huge Goliath, like nine foot tall man, come down into the valley and he's taunting the Lord's army the Israelites and he does this for 40 days and 40 nights right and so David he shows up to this and him maybe his frontal lobes not fully developed okay he's 14 years old but when he looks he all of a sudden looks and he doesn't see what everybody else sees right they see this Goliath this giant of a man who may wipe their whole army out or wipe anybody else out who is going out and David sees something different right David goes everything that I have God is yours and I want you to use it and he picks up five stones and a sling you and I may look at that and go that's not really a weapon you want to take right like you I just see five stones but what David saw was an instrument for the Lord to use him right And it changed his perspective. And David walked out. And he didn't talk about his stones. He didn't talk about his age. He didn't talk about any of those things. What did he talk about? He talked about the the Lord. And how mighty He is. And who God is. And I can't believe you would say this about my God. and, And this is who I am. And he steps out on faith. And he says, everything that is in my hands, God, is yours. And I want you to use it as an instrument. And when he uses that as an instrument, God begins to use it for his glory. And I think that that gives us a new perspective in life of going, God, everything I have is yours. And now all of a sudden we're praying differently, right? And all of, we're viewing life differently of going, I have this gift set that God may be calling me to and I can use it for the glory of God, but it takes that revelation of going, God, this is not mine. I'm just a manager of it. I love this verse in Colossians 3.23. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Isn't that a beautiful thing, right? Like whatever I have, whatever I do, I love that word whatever because you know what it means? Whatever, right? Like everything. It means whatever we do, we can do it for the glory of God. We can be sitting there folding towels At home, right? Like, who loves folding towels, right? But we're going, God, I'm folding this towel for you, right? I'm cleaning my house. I'm cleaning my room for you. I'm going to work today, God. And this work day is not for my boss, but this is for you, right? That changes things, right? So now my character and my integrity is not dependent on what my boss says to me, right? Now my character and my integrity is based off what Jesus says, right? Because now I can walk in integrity because I'm not working for them. I'm working for the Lord. I'm an ambassador representative of who Jesus is. And I'm telling you that mindset, it changes everything about the way that we view life. And it gives us that I call it the thrill of obedience, right? It gives us this opportunity of going at any moment. God can change somebody's life. 
through our life. At any moment, God can change someone's life through the things that I own, with that material possessions, gifts, the thoughts, whatever it is, right? All of a sudden, but I have to be open and available going, okay, God, I want you to use me for this. I want to use that for that. I want to be an instrument for you. And then we see here, as we get to um, uh, verse 2, where Jesus says this, and I love this because he's having a conversation with Peter. And uh, don't you love this? It's maybe at work or maybe at school or somebody in your family, the relationships that you have here. Like you've been working so hard on something, right? Like you've been toiling all night. You've been working and you've been, uh, you know, maybe you're, think about Peter. Peter, like I said, is a generational fisherman, right? He knows what he's doing. He's, he's fished a time or two before. And here comes this carpenter who grew up. He's a generational carpenter, right? Walks up and goes, hey, Peter. I know you've been fishing all night, but can I, can I suggest something to you? Right? You've had that person at work where they show up and you're working on something. They're like, hey, I got an idea. Have you ever tried this before? You're like, yeah, two weeks ago. I tried it. Okay, It didn't work. And so Jesus walks up and Jesus is, he brings this infinite wisdom that he has and he's about to show Peter something that he's not just a carpenter. Right? He's about to show Peter something. He's about to remind him or show him through the miracle, right? Because the miracle is not the goal. The miracle is to point people to Jesus. It's to point to people that, that they, he has deity, he is the authority, and he is the creator over the created, right? And so Jesus walks up and he says, Hey, Peter, why don't you throw your nets out one more time? Why don't you throw them out one more time? I love Peter's response because I'm even wondering if Jesus is testing Peter's heart, right? Like Peter think, right? Because in that moment, he could have been prideful of going, sorry, man, keep moving along. We've been working all night. We know what we're doing. We're the professionals here, right? All of a sudden, he's prideful, right? But yet he steps back and goes, okay, okay, let me, let me just try that. Master, if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Here's the thing. You and I sometimes have to live for God even when we don't see the results yet. Sometimes God is going to call us to do something and you're going to look around and you're going to go, God, I'm not seeing any fruit from this. God, I'm not like I can't even see you working in my life. You told me to do this and now I'm not experiencing what I thought I was going to experience. Right. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Right. But there's going to be moments in our life where we had this expectation for what we see. And the second life lesson for us today is live for God, even when you don't see the results yet. Live for God even when we don't see the results yet. Because Peter's in this moment, and God goes, hey, I want to invite you into this. Will you cast your net out again? And all of a sudden, Peter has a decision to make. Will I trust what Jesus says, even though I don't see all the fish? Right? Even though I don't know what's coming, I'm just going to do what God has called me to do because I'm willing to lean in and trust God with what He is doing. And I love this part of the story, right? As you can tell, I love a lot of this story. Anyway, um, we have a running joke around here. I love every story that I preach on every Sunday. And I say it like, oh, I love it. Anyway, uh, so as we talk about this, Jesus says, or Peter says this. He says, okay, I worked hard all last night. But if you say, Master, I will do it again. And Jesus says, what I want you to do is push out into the deeper water. And I love that Jesus is challenging Peter because you and I, we don't grow without being challenged. 
right? Like a rubber band is only being used when it's being stretched, right? When we grow, we're being stretched. And, and there are moments and seasons of life where you're going, okay, God, I'm stretched to the max. Like I'm trying to do these things, right? But God, during those seasons of stretching, He's growing us because He's taking us maybe to a deeper level, a deeper relationship with Him. And in those moments, sometimes, spoiler alert, it's not even fun, Right? In those moments, and I compare it a lot of times too. I don't know if you've ever uh, started a routine of working out again. You ever been like you took a break for a while and then you started walking again or you started jogging again or you started doing weights again. You're like, what happened? I was so strong. I was walking like four miles without getting winded. I was walking a mile. I was doing all these things. And you take a little break and you come back and you're like, what happened? Right? Like all of these things, it takes longer. But yet with that, even... In the pain, we know that we're moving towards something because we're growing, because we're stretching. We're stretching our lungs. And God, for whatever reason, I don't have the answer to it, but for whatever reason, God uses pain in this lifetime to teach us more than anything else in life. It takes us into a deeper relationship with Him. And if you and I will realize that and go, you know what, I'm not going to step away from it. In fact, I'm going to lean in a little bit more because God, I'm trusting you. And there's going to be seasons where we don't see the results yet. Or we're not even sure or certain of what those results may look like. And so I just may ask this question and may come back to it. But what is that growing or stretching for you? What is that moment of that maybe even too you've been holding on to it? In fact, if I were to bring it up or to say it or talk to you about it, you'd go, ooh, not that. No, 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 not that, God. I, I can't release that. Like, I, I can't give that to you, God. Or maybe that faith step that he's asking you to take, and, and that's where all the questions come in and the doubts and the fears of going, I can't do that. I don't know enough. I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I'm not ready yet. My family's not ready yet. Like, all these things begin to happen, right? And it's in those moments, that's a pinpoint for you and I to go, okay, maybe there's a growth step right there where all of those questions are beginning to raise up in us. And then Peter right here. Um, I'm going to try to hurry along, okay? But here in uh, Peter in verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others to him. Simon Peter has the exact response and heart posture that Jesus is looking for for his followers. Right there in this moment, a revelation happened in Peter where he realized, wow, look at these fish. Look at this miracle. Look what Jesus did. And immediately it caused Peter to realize this is God. This is a holy and powerful God. And I cannot, I can't even be in his presence. And Peter fell to the ground. And all of a sudden, a revelation changed in his life. He said, I'm literally in the presence of God. And I and I see my sin, I see my shortcomings, I see my disbelief. And this piece right here, this is our our third life lesson I want us to take away. The way we view God will determine how we view ourselves and others. The way we view God, it will fundamentally change how we view ourselves and how we view others. Maybe some of us grew up in a church or a family where it was very religious, 
Right? You had to do this, 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 and this. And if you messed up, I am so angry with you. And if you messed up, then, I, then I, I, I'm, I'm questioning, do I even love you? Right? Like, this has to get done, this has to get done, it has to be done this way. And if you do this good enough, you can have a relationship with God. If you do this, this many things right, now God is going to love you even more. Now your view of God, our view of God changes and it is shifted into a works-based relationship with God, right? And we view God as this man sitting up almost like the police ready to whack people on the head, go, you messed up here, you messed up here, you're terrible here, you're awful here, right? But that view of God makes you look at yourself differently, right? It makes you carry this shame. Makes you carry this guilt, this fear of I'm living life, but I can't mess up. Because if I mess up, God's going to rain down on me. Bad things are going to happen to me, right? And that view of God changes the way that we see ourselves. I'm terrible. I can't do it. I can't make it, right? It change- and then we look at other people and we begin to reflect that same notion into other people. You better do this right. You better knock this out. You better do that, right? All of a sudden, now my love is based off of what they do. And it changes everything. But you know, there's also a pendulum, right? Like we could go to that gutter or we could go to this gutter where um, grace is everything for us, right? Because we see in Scripture that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And maybe we're on the grace side where it doesn't matter what you do. Everybody can do everything and God's going to love you no matter what you decide. You do you. Your truth is your truth, right? And grace is going to abound. Sin, do what you want. Make any decision you would like. Any decision that you choose is going to be right. Right? And we can fall into that. But if we view God in that moment, in that aspect, who's really God? Right? Is it me? Or is it the eternal God who loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, I can give you true fulfillment that you can't provide. I can show you the way. I can show you what is really true. And a lot of times we view God and maybe it's because we've ran into some Christians who are more angry than joyful and whatever it may be. But we see uh, Christianity as just a a, a thing of collection of regulations and it's just confining. But I'm here to tell you it's the opposite of confining. It's like the chains fall off and I am set free, right? And then God goes, hey, I'm going to show you a way to live in which you were created. I'm going to show you a way to live that will be so fulfilling, that will be so full of love and joy and hope and peace and self-control. If you will trust me in that, if you will trust me even over your own desires, if you'll trust me over what everybody else is saying, if you'll trust me over everything that you see, if you will just trust me, you can experience this life, what the Bible calls this abundant life. Because the enemy, he's tricky, right? He'll lure us in. He'll say, hey, you, you know all the answers. You got this. You can, you're strong enough. You can figure it out. But Jesus is going, look, you don't have to be strong enough. I will be strong for you. Let me take the load off of you. And if you'll just trust me and rest 
in me. I can show you the way. And all of a sudden it changes how we view ourselves and how we view others. Because when I look in the mirror, if I look through the lens of Daniel Casanave, I'm going to pick out every fault. I'm going to pick out everything that is wrong, right? I had this moment of my life, which was a Peter moment, where I fell at the feet of Jesus and go, I am a sinful, wretched man. I can't do anything outside of you, Jesus. Would you take my life? And I say, God, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you have set me free, that you died on the cross for me to take my sin, and that you rose again three days later to prove that you have the authority to forgive my sin. And then Jesus took my brokenness, and they call it this double, this double exchange, where I give my unrighteousness to God, and Jesus gives me His righteousness, gives me what is right. And now, when God looks at Daniel Kazanave, He doesn't look at all the, the brokenness that I have, He looks through the lens and the blood of Jesus, and He sees, as the Bible describes, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. He sees somebody that is redeemed. He sees somebody that is made whole. He sees somebody that is holy. Not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done. Can you imagine the weight that was taken off? Most people know my story. Before I knew Christ, I thought I was dying. Like I had, I caught, the Holy Spirit was squeezing me. Like I was carrying this weight. I went to the doctor. They had these heart monitors checked on me because I went to the heart doctor and I was like, "Hey, I'm dying. Can you can you check me out?" Right? They're like, "You look okay." You know, I don't know about this. And so they they put the heart monitors up and I'm they uh uh what do you call it? Scan it. There you go. So they're scanning it and taking all these uh, pictures and and figuring out for a few days and they come back and the lady goes, "Oh look, oh I see here. I see yeah." Actually, you got an athletic heart. You're pretty good. I was like, ah, pull honky. I feel like I'm about to die. Like, this is not, this is not it. This is not working, right? And so there was something that was wrestling in me that I was carrying. And I remember I, I was listening to a pastor, and the weight I was carrying was the weight of this world, was the weight of this life. And I heard a pastor go, hey, if you were to give a number between one and ten, how sure you are that you would go to heaven, what would be your number? I was like six, seven. I'm feeling pretty confident, you know, like I was pretty good this week, you know, six, seven. And the pastor goes, you know what my number is? One million. And when he said that, I literally hit the floor. I was like, oh, like my knees buckled. I was like, I need that. Like I need that peace. And I called my sweet mama on the phone. And I said, mom, I've been running from God for way too long. And I'm ready to give my, she led me through this moment of salvation. I gave my life to Jesus and I'm here to tell you, I don't need a heart monitor. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, maybe, maybe I will one day, but still like there was this moment because I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and I gave it to Jesus and I was set free. That's not restraining. That's not restrictive. I was set free in Jesus. And now because of that, I'm like, can I get as close to Jesus as possible? Because if he'll do that in my life, I want to trust him with everything. Everything else. I want to tell my kids about it. I want to tell everybody here about it. Anybody online. Like you can be set free too. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if that is our view of God, that radically changes how we view ourselves and others, right? Now, literally anybody can walk through those doors. And my job is to show them the love of Jesus. No matter what they look like, what their past is, Right? Because Jesus showed me grace. And I'm going, hey, can I, sh- can I introduce you to a God 
who can change everything, who can set you free. It changes the way that we view ourselves and others. Y'all got me too excited on that one. So we're going we're to hurry down to the next one, okay? And as we think here, this is the last piece here for you and I. And the, the trick for you and I is to realize we always have to go back to Scripture, right? We have to go back because the way we view God, uh, it can change from person to person sometimes, right? And um, if you were to ask me, hey, Daniel, in this um, generation speaking, anybody that's alive right now, and what's called the information age, what's one of your biggest fears? And honestly, one of my biggest fears right now is that we're being discipled by the internet and not the Bible, right? Because there's many times where um, we'll watch videos to get our nourishment from God. But the problem is if that's only the thing that we eat, we, the Bible says we have to test and discern what we're hearing. And if we're not in the word, we don't know what is true and what isn't right, 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 what's true and what's wrong. And so we're wrestling with, okay, what, what, what did this person say? And what did this person say? And the thing about the internet is in our, in our reels that are 15 seconds or a minute long, we don't know the context, right? We just know the, the quick moment and the quick hit of what that looks like. And so we have to be willing to test going, okay, I heard that. That sounds like it may be true, but let me test it to the Word of God. Let me see what the Word of God, the full counsel of God shows us because it gives us a clear, this is a direct revelation of who God is. And we get to test that. We get to hold it up, right? Like a picture of going, okay, I heard that. Let me look here. Let me heard that. Look here, right? And also we can go, go, okay, that maybe that part was true, but this part is not. And all of a sudden, this begins to shape our view and shape our life. And as we close here, what I want us to see is that Jesus at the end, what does he tell Peter? He says, don't be afraid. I love that. He's saying, Peter, I know you may have some fear about this new season of life, this new chapter. I know you may have some fear about growing deeper and moving into this relationship with you. He's like, look, don't be afraid. In fact, from now on, you will be fishing for people. I love that, right? He's going, from now on, whatever you do, you're going to be a fisherman for people. I think if he was talking to somebody else with a different occupation, he would have used another illustration. But he was looking at three fishermen going, hey, it fits really well though. Can we be honest? right? Like, but um, he's looking at three fishermen and he's going, hey, you're going to understand this. You know how you go and you fish for people and it takes work and you have to toil and you have to find the right scenario and you have to be you know, almost like you're kind of talking to the fish and getting all this thing scenario. He says, you're going to do the same thing for the glory of God and fish for people. You and I, if you want to take anything as we have our relationship with God and you want to grow deeper in Him, I'm telling you, this, this thrill of obedience starts right here. This thrill of obedience, this life, uh, last life lesson is we are in the people business, right? No matter what our job is, we're in the people business. Some of you are sitting in the room, you're like, yeah, that's awesome, right? And then my introverts are like, no, right? No way. We can't be in the people business, right? Whatever that may be. But whatever our job is we're in the people business, right? You and I are fishers of men. You could be a teacher sitting in your classroom. And, and yes, you are a teacher and that's the instrument in which God wants to use. But yet we're in the people business. I have co-workers, I have students, whatever it may be. You could be a welder, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could work in administration, you could be a real estate agent, you could be a pilot, you could, whatever it may be, right? Like that is the instrument in which God may use, but really you and I are in the people business, right? We are in the people business that God wants to use everything that we have to get himself through us so that people can know they can be set free. The Bible says you are an ambassador of Christ, a representative 
of the kingdom of heaven. How incredible is that? And I want to end with this. I'd love for you to just to picture it for a moment. The Bible describes that everybody that gives their life to Jesus, it says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What that means is, is that you and I will spend eternity with God in a place called heaven. And in this place called heaven, we get to experience God and ourselves in the fullest, and we can't even imagine it. We can't imagine the fullness of the love of God, the fullness of our lives. And the Bible describes no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, all of those pieces. And you and I will be there for eternity with God. And eternity with the people of God. And I believe that there's going to be people there that are going to come up to you that you don't know, you don't recognize, you don't know who they are because they are coming up to meet you because of what you said to their dad. And now generations later, they are in heaven because you said, you know what? I want to be an instrument to God. And this person came to know Christ through your life. And now their kids have come to know Christ. Their kids came to know Christ. Their kids came to know Christ. Their kids came to know Christ. Kids to know Christ. But everything changed in their life was the moment you said, I want to be an instrument instrument for the Lord and they're coming up to you going oh my goodness you have no clue who I am but this is who I am and this is what happened and here's how God used your life to change generations from now because we can't see the whole picture but you and I we walk every day in obedience and that is the thrill of it because if we view God as that big is that holy and that mighty he can use your life right now to change generations from now and I believe it's an incredible piece, but it takes a moment of, of us leaning in and going, hey, do not fear. God will get us there. And it's our job to trust him and be willing to take those steps. And God's going, hey, push your boat out into the deep a little bit further. Push it out a little bit further. Throw your net out again. Throw your net out again. Let me, let me show you what I can do in your life and through your life. And so it takes these moments where you and I are wrestling with that. So my question is, what is that step for you? What is that growth step for you? For you, uh, maybe the growth step is, I need to give my life to Jesus. I've never fully trusted Him. Daniel, that freedom that you're talking about, that peace that you're talking about, I need that in my life. Maybe that's you of saying, that's going to stretch me. I, I'm willing to trust Jesus with my life. Maybe for you, it's, you know what? I've never actually told God, my job is yours. My family's yours. My money is yours, God. Whatever I have is yours. Show me how to use it as your instrument and then when God says hey can I use that you and I have to have our yes on the table of going oh yeah go ahead God use that for your glory use that for your glory and whatever that may look like I'd love to challenge us because that's when you and I step into a world that we've never experienced before this we step into this moment this lifetime where God begins to use us for His glory. And so I want to pray for us here today as we close. And the worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us through a response song. Uh, but I just want to pray with anybody in the room. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. I want to say a prayer with you. And you can give your life to Christ today. You can have a moment with Jesus. And the prayer does not save you. Jesus on the cross is the one that saves you. And it's the object in which we place our faith. Who is Jesus. And when we place our faith in Him. He's, he is faithful. He is true to forgive us. And so if you want to give your life to Christ, you can say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I've missed the mark. 
God, I'm in need of a Savior. God, I believe that You are God. I believe that You died for me. And I believe that You rose again. God, I ask that You would save my life. I ask that You would help me to change, God. Help me to heal, God. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer here today, I'd love for you to grab a connect card. Just fill that out or grab me right after service and say, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer today. I prayed that prayer. And you fill that card out. I just want to pray for the rest of us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I pray, God, that you would just stir something in us. I believe that there are some of us in the room that our hearts need to be stirred, God. I pray that you would uh, illuminate some steps in our lives where you're trying to get us to grow and we need to trust you more, God. I pray, I know there's some people in the room, God, that just need your healing. God, they, they need to accept the invitation of come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, God. And your word says that you'll give them rest. I pray that you'll give their soul rest today, God. That you give them strength, you give them encouragement. That you would give them hope again, God. God, I pray that we would take everything that we have and we say, God, can I just be an instrument to you? Instrument to your word, instrument to your truth, God. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.